0: Podcast Answer Man, episode number 267.
1: Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community.
0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show and everything else you do to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet gone to, learn how to podcast.com to start that first episode. There's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. That's right, my friends. And today, to take things to a whole new level, I am going to just jump right into it. This week, I have a full one-hour recorded panel discussion on why every blogger should be podcasting. That's right. More traffic, more engagement, more everything For you bloggers out there who have not yet started a podcast, Pat Flynn, great personal friend of mine, Uh, I invited him to put together an amazing panel of bloggers who have turned into podcasters as well, and uh, to talk about what benefits there are. In fact, uh, he basically—I'm not going to—I'll tell you what—it is Pat Flynn, it is Adam Baker from Man vs. Debt, Derek Halpern from Social Triggers, and Katie Davis from Brain Burps About Books uh amazing bloggers who have had amazing success with their podcast they're gonna talk about what obstacles they had in the beginning what kept them you know from you know really getting some good forward momentum uh how do you come up with content or topics for your podcast they're going to talk about how to get guests to come on to your show And uh, basically, how do you get somebody who is listening via audio and they're nowhere near your website when they're listening, how do you get those people to take action? And of course, what are the benefits to those who have uh, basically been blogging and then all of a sudden launched a podcast? What benefits have they seen? Great discussion, plus several Q&A bits at the end. Wonderful blog world and new media expo talk. And for those of you guys who were not able to make it to Blog World. Uh, this is one of those sessions that I definitely wanted to share with you. Now, before I click play on this presentation, I have to tell you that there was uh, a special way that Pat Flynn opened this and I have to explain it to you otherwise what you're about to hear, especially, you know, the the laughter up front and and the applause uh, will not make sense. So Pat gets up. I did the introduction for the session, and then he takes uh, this bag and he has all this these cue cards in there, like big gigantic billboard kind of uh, cardboard things, and he wrote words really big on them. And I, I don't know, maybe twenty different cue cards, and I'm going to read to you the words that were on these cue cards. And and so it first the first card said hi. And then the second one said, as bloggers, and I'll tell you what, I'll just pause to indicate that there was a, sec, uh, a, a moment between cards. But this is what it, it said. And of course, you got to imagine these people are reading these cards. They're not hearing any inflection of voice or anything. But the first one says, it goes, Hi, as bloggers, we love to write, but not everyone. Likes to read, and when we just write, we miss the opportunity to connect with people in a more powerful, influential, emotional, and impactful way with your voice.
2: Something was missing there. It's true though, when you just blog, you're just the blogger, but you can't be just the blogger anymore to get noticed. And on the platform like iTunes and with your voice, you can really connect with people and get new eyes on your brand that you would never get otherwise if you just stuck to your blog. So thank you all for coming today. I'm very happy to introduce our esteemed panel of guests. From left to right, we have Adam Baker, founder of ManVersusDebt.com, And uh, you know, in 2008, after the birth of their daughter, Courtney and Adam, Courtney's his wife, decided to sell everything they owned, pay off their consumer debt, and spend a year traveling abroad as a family. They began sharing their journey publicly in early 2009 on Man Versus Debt, including transparent looks into their debt, income, and progress. And with the help of their online community, they were successful in paying off, paying down $18,000 in consumer debt and have spent the last four years backpacking through Australia, New Zealand, and Thailand, and driving across the United States while living in an RV. Man Versus Debt now helps other people sell their excess crap, pay down their debt, and focus their energy on work they actually love. So everyone, let's welcome Adam Baker. Then in the middle, we have Derek Halpern, founder and CEO of socialtriggers.com. Now, Derek burst into the marketing scene in 2011 and built the wildly popular blog Social Triggers. Known for his his no-nonsense approach to getting traffic, gaining leads, and making sales, Derek has been told that he gives insanely practical advice that almost anyone can implement. Derek is also known for managing all of the marketing efforts for the world-class thesis theme framework. Prior to that, he was behind the scenes of several popular blogs, one of which attracted more than a million views in a single day. So let's welcome Derek Halpern. And last but not least, the beautiful Katie Davis, author, illustrator, podcast producer, and director of possibilities. I love
3: that. I uh, needed some title for this thing. <laughs>
2: and she blogs at KatieDavis.com and brain burps about books. Katie Davis has written and illustrated eight picture books in one novel for children, <laughs> published by Simon Schuster, HarperCollins, and Harry Harcourt. Is that correct? Uh, and one for adults, an ebook: How to Promote Your Children's Book, Tip, Tricks, and Secrets to Create a bestseller. She appears monthly on the ABC affiliate show, Good Morning Connecticut, recommending great books for kids. And Katie's weekly podcast, Brain Burbs About Books, is all about the craft, marketing, and business of children's book industry. This week uh, marks actually your 100th episode of your podcast.
3: It actually ended up being next week. But congrats. (laughs) And
2: and she has a special announcement in that one, which we might talk about later. So, welcome Katie. Thank you, and, I, and of course, you, you know me, Cliff, had an awesome introduction. Thank you, and, and I'm Pat Flynn, so, so again, thank you. And, and, and our job here is, when is, I, mean, I think you have the idea that you would like to start a podcast, we're going to work really hard to really convince you and help you take action and, and, and just get you really excited about what you're about to do. So first I want to ask the panel, and we'll start with Adam as he pours some water for himself. What do you enjoy about
1: podcasting? So Adam, what do you enjoy about podcasting? What do I enjoy about podcasting? Um, For me, podcasting is a chance to go deeper with uh, the community that I have as well as a chance to reach a new demographic of people. I was really surprised at the number of people that listen to podcasts that don't read my blog. So for me, I was using the analogy of my blog is a magnifying glass, so I'm able to like show people a concept or build a relationship with them, kind of on that level, go about that deep. And a podcast for me is a microscope. Like I'm, I'm going really deep with people. I'm like in their head, talking to them when their headphones are on, and uh, that's the same relationship I share with the podcasts that I listen to. I feel like I have a stronger connection than the blogs I read, so that's what I'm most excited about. You want to try this? You just go.
4: I think this works, right? So there are three reasons why I started a a podcast. The first reason is I wanted to get people from iTunes on my website just in case they weren't blog readers. I wanted to attract a new audience of people that weren't necessarily blog readers. The second reason is, is, this is kind of a selfish reason actually, because I wanted to be able to interview some of the top researchers about psychology. And that's who I feature on my podcast. These psychology researchers from Harvard, Columbia. I wanted to be able to build a relationship with those people. And the final reason is I like the sound of my voice.
3: So. <laughs> <laughs> Katie? Blood honesty, I like it. Um, why did I want to start? Because I, I was interviewed on on a a podcast on Blog Talk Radio, and it was a really, really horrible, heinous interview. And I waited for two hours while all these other authors were being interviewed, and I decided I could do this. And then I thought about it for a year, and I thought I could really help people. And I love what it's done now for my brand, my my, my entire business, my personal life. Again, I'm... A writer and so all my friends are all over the country and I, I all over the world and I don't get to see them enough they're all upstairs at BEA right now and uh, I get to talk to them but it's really grown into something else because again like you I can I can talk to the top people in the industry and it it helps a lot of people and I I call that selfishly unselfish because I feel good helping other people but I'm helping them so it's unselfish but I'm selfish because I like it.
2: Great for me it was, the reason why I started a podcast, there was a number of different reasons. One, because it was a podcast that inspired me to get into the internet business. So I knew it was a great way to connect with people and get people to take action. But beyond that, it was, it was kind of training for me. I was deathly afraid of the microphone when I started my podcast. And if you go back to episode one, I actually have 39 episodes now. And you can tell that there's a huge difference. And I just didn't worry about being perfect. I just went with it. And that's, that's probably the first tip that we had for you. It, 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 and, and we'll talk about the struggles that we've had later, but just, just go for it and try it. And over time you start to get better and more comfortable. And now I'm doing public speaking and I don't think I'd, I would do well at it if I had not started my podcast. And probably the biggest thing for me is, is the emails I get from people, not just people who are, who are like, oh, I found you on iTunes. Like That's how they found out about me and my, my brand. But it's the emails that are like, you went on a walk with me today. Mm. Or I took you on a plane ride with me today. Like that's, when someone says something like that, that's personal. That's, they're plugging you into their head. There's no box that they can click out of or anything. They're listening to you. And there's nothing more powerful than that, except actually talking to people in person like we are right now. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about those struggles a little bit. I know a lot of us are kind of scared about potentially starting a podcast. and, 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 you know, it's not just a simple click of a button and you're off. There's a lot of things that, are, that go into it. So let's start from right to left, Katie. What are some struggles that you've encountered along the way, especially in the beginning?
3: The, some of the tech. And I did a women in podcasting panel yesterday, and I think that a lot of times that women are afraid of the tech. Just how do I turn the knobs? How do I get a good sound? And I think that's why there are a lot of people on Blog Talk Radio, and you know, no no dissing that, but the sound, you don't have to worry about any of that, and... I think that that's a big problem for a lot of people and I think that that was hard for me and also learning how to upload them and how to do the feed and all that kind of stuff and I figured it out and with help from, actually from Cliff, Ravenscraft the podcast Answer Man and, um, and also listening to various um, different podcasts and, and reading articles so it's really easy I encourage to, fear should not be part of it because you can totally learn it anybody can learn it you can Google anything and learn it there's no obstacles
4: Derek my biggest struggle would have been the tech but Pat Flynn here had sent me a picture of his mixer to show me what all the settings should be set to so that was, that was
2: really <laughs> I got those from Cliff so <laughs> yeah, everything's going to filter back yeah, to
3: my my, my my picture I have the same thing I have arrows pointing and I got it <laughs>
4: <laughs> but then my main issue was really the production of the podcast because every episode takes a lot of work and it's You might think it's easy because all you have to do is talk into a mic and record yourself. But I found that when I did that without doing a lot of prep work, I would tend to ramble as opposed to being a lot more concise. And if I wanted, you know, if I wanted listenership, I couldn't ramble about whatever it is I was talking about for 30 minutes, you know. So that
1: was my issue. Strangely enough, uh, when I got started podcasting, I also was a little scared of the tech um, side. And strangely enough, I hired a certain person to help me. And that was Cliff Ravenscraft. <laughs> so um, this is not a promo. Is this, <laughs> this is not a promo for Cliff, but it's honestly that if you look at the four of us on stage, Cliff Ravenscraft has helped us. So the the key is to get help, whether it's a free resource or whether you pay for help, like I did. I said this is an investment in my business, and I think this podcast will bring in. And so I put forth the money to get a good mic, a mixer, to get some consulting help. And, and now when I sit down in front of my desk and I have this little podcast arm and this mixer, I feel like, you know, like, like I know what I'm doing. So I'm more confident in my podcast. But the number one problem I had was not tech. Um, and that's just the commitment um, to go through it. And I, would guess I would say the format. I started my podcast a little over-formatted. And when I was at home in my office and I had my team member that was editing it for me, it was really easy to get in front of the mic and do it. But as soon as I packed my bags and went on the six-week road tour where I was working 16 hours a day filming a movie, I took all my podcasting stuff and I was like, I'm going to podcast from the road. It's going to be so amazing. And for two and a half months, I didn't podcast. <laughs> so uh, then, now, I, now I'm not in my home environment, but I sat down in front of the mic and I think it was like a return to podcast. I'm like, this is going to be like 20 to 30 minutes. This is not going to be a polished hour. There's not going to be music in between sections, but I'm sitting down and I'm shipping it again. And so for me, the constraint of being too formatted in the beginning held me back for a couple months. And now I'm just returning to the mic to kind of put myself out there. And we'll get back to having it more polished, but that was the struggle that I had.
2: Yeah, my biggest struggle, I mean, uh, as far as Cliff is concerned, he, he does a great, I mean, his life is podcasting, so he does a great job of sharing, like, the really easy way to, to get started. And, and I'm going to give you a resource right now. It's a free resource. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to sign up for anything to see this. It's learnhowtopodcast.com. It should be really easy to remember. That'll take you to a number of videos that Cliff has done that'll walk you through all the tech stuff and, and everything that's required to get a recording that you do onto iTunes and, and, and have a recording that, that your audience can enjoy. Now, my biggest struggle was actually not the tech. It was a couple things. One, struggling with my voice and my confidence. That, that was a, a tough thing for me. And to be honest with you, I actually haven't told anyone this. My first episode, I took 10 takes of that first episode. And even the, the, the last one, I wasn't happy with. But I put it out there and no one said a word about that about, as far as, you, like, oh, I could tell you weren't confident or anything, I mean, as long as the content is good and people enjoy the show, Do you have nothing to worry about? And beyond that, and I want to segue into the next question here, my biggest struggle is also trying to figure out, well, what do I put on the show? I have a blog already, I put out all this content, what goes on the podcast? Should I just repurpose my blog content and put it on the podcast, or should I create something new? And so I want to actually hand it over to the panel before before I answer that question. How do you decide, Derek, what you put in your show? versus what you
4: have in your podcast? So, I looked at a place like NPR, you know, a really big podcast and I was looking at what they were doing and what they were doing to get so big and I noticed that they were always bringing on guests. They were always bringing on new guests and new experts to share with their listenership and I figured if that's what they're doing it obviously works. So, what I tend to do on my podcast is I tend to bring on these researchers and I have them talk and share their ideas you know, from from the source, whereas on the blog, I usually take research ideas and explain how I feel about those ideas, as opposed to bringing them to an interview with the blog. So it's mainly bringing new researchers to the community that I wouldn't be able to feature on the blog first now. Adam?
1: Um, for us, it's uh, one of the techniques is I look at, I mean, I've been blogging for about four years, so I can go back to some of my older posts, especially those topics that were really popular with people. And I can say, well, I wrote about this two years ago, and I don't really have any more to say about it in writing, but if I get in front of the mic and lay this out in a different way, not only can I update the content, but it'll come across much differently when I'm talking about it than when I wrote about it. Uh, that is one major topic for how we do it, but everything is filtered through, how can I help solve a specific emotional problem? If anyone was in my talk yesterday, it sounds like a broken record, but I really think with each podcast episode, how can I help solve a specific problem? So. If I could stay on the main content focused on doing that, then the, the I usually get emails that are like, that was a great episode. If I don't do that, if I just kind of ramble like Derek was talking about earlier, it doesn't have much of an impact. So that's how I kind of focus my ideas uh, once we find them. The last thing I'll say is we've noticed that we haven't talked much about selling our selling your crap on the blog in the last few weeks. So my team and I got together and we we're like, okay, we'll do a podcast next week on something about you know selling on eBay, selling on Amazon. So once again, we know that we can help our readers with that problem. We haven't talked about it recently on the blog, so we're going to podcast about it. Those are two of the ways we do.
2: Now, Adam, quick question, a uh, quick follow-up question for you: Do you have guests on your show ever, or is it just you?
1: Um, we have success stories, so I'll interview community members from. Uh, from that but most of the guests that I have connection to are like bloggers and business related rather than industry professionals and I really don't like many of the people in the financial industry. So it's, it's hard for me to go like, oh I want to talk to the CEO of Bank America. Like I could give a about the CEO of Bank America. So it's, it's, you and a many different. other people in America. Yeah, right. So if, uh, if I'm doing a blogging podcast, so if I do something that's more business related, that's where I'm going to try to get those connections. So um, I'm not sure that's a strategy. That's just an honest answer for why I don't do that. But I love having my readers on. And I try to keep it short, like 10, 15 minutes, talk to my readers about how they've just paid off debt or something. It's wildly popular. I do that. Yeah. Okay. Um,
3: I look at my. Output as a Venn diagram, you know those math things where the circles overlap and the overlapping stuff is everything that I talk about all the time like Reciprocity giving writing craft all that stuff how to market yourself in your books And then the stuff that isn't overlapping is the unique content So my newsletter will have something that my blog doesn't have that my podcast doesn't have and each thing will lead to the other things and um one thing that the, another and I structured it that way so that I could maybe build an audience in each of these because again people don't go to everything and at least not mine stuff and <laughs> I do feel that um, the structure is important for me, at least. I thought about doing a podcast for a year because I couldn't figure out what my structure would be. And as soon as I thought of Terry Gross, who's on NPR, I thought, oh, yeah, interviews. I'll talk to people. I know everybody in my business. I'll talk to people. And so what I, I do is I educate my listeners. I start with my my jingle, which actually a listener created for me as a thank you and it's really funny and then i do some industry news and updates and sometimes i do my own stuff like i'm doing this on facebook or i just wrote this book but usually it's outward facing and then i do the interview as the bulk of it and then to follow up i also have reviewers and this is co- contributors i should say one's a reviewer one does something else They everybody has different things and what that's done for the show is it breaks up the monotony monotony of just me being the the voice on the show and also it exponentially spreads the word about the show because if, if somebody's contributing to it they want to get the word out so they tell all their followers and they you know so it's, it's a nice sharing thing too it gets it out on different levels
2: yeah, I mean, for me, trying to trying to determine kind of what I have on my blog versus what I have on my podcast, I go I go with kind of Adam's strategy, and, and I look back in my archives and see, okay, what was popular way back in the day, and what, what haven't I talked about in a while? And then I bring it into a new light with a podcast and have a voice to it. Now, as far as having guests on, I have a show that's maybe 50% just me and 50% guests, and, and, and different people like like you know, like different ones. And, and, and so I want to talk about guests really quick because I, cause I think, especially from a beginner's point of view, uh, it, it's, it's probably going to be more comfortable because all you have to do is ask the right questions. The content's going to be provided by the person who you're asking those questions to, so you don't. Know, it, it's not so much of a struggle, um, although you still have to, you still have to be careful about what questions you're asking and stay engaged with with your audience uh, with with who you're interviewing. But I want to ask Derek a question because because you you only have guests on your show, top researchers. I mean, for us, it might be easy to contact another blogger, uh, you know, just email them and say, "Hey, would you like to be a guest on our show?" But contacting Researchers, I mean, they don't have blogs. And, and you know, how do you convince people? First, how do you reach out to them? And then, or, or even before that, how do you get their contact information? And then how do you, how do you contact them, reach out to them, and, and get them on your show? And then, then we can talk about how do we actually conduct the interviews and put them on, onto our show?
4: Yeah, so the first thing you have to understand, especially when you want to land a major guest on anything that you're doing, people always want to know what's in it for them. Right? So, when I contact a, a random researcher that might have a book coming out, for example, I'll try to contact them when they have a book coming out, and I'll say, I know in this book you have coming out, I just got an advanced copy, you cite three different research studies, why don't we pull you on my podcast, I get ten to 15,000 downloads an episode, we can release it right around when your new book comes out. So, that's my, my, my main pitch, is like, you have a book coming out, we can talk about these three research studies that are in your book, and then we can do a plug for your book, at the end of the podcast. And when you're talking to someone who has a book coming out and you're telling them that you're getting 10 to 15,000 downloads an episode, you don't really have to try that hard to convince them. I think out of the 30 people I've emailed, I think I got two people to say no. One of them said that they hated marketers, so. <laughs> okay, so quick follow-up question. What if you don't have 15,000
2: uh, downloads a day? What if you're just starting? How do you
4: yeah, so when I first started my podcast, I had no downloads. And what I did was I reached out to people in the research world that were known for giving the most interviews already. So one of my first people I reached out to was uh, Jonah Lehrer. And he wrote, wrote a book called How We Decide and another book called Imagine. And I always saw him appearing all over you know, the, the blogosphere doing podcast interviews with small blogs, with big blogs. So I was like, if I email him, he's probably gonna say yes to me. So once I got him to say yes, got him on the show, I then, when I talk to someone new, I'll say, by the way, you know, why don't you hop on my podcast, I just had Joan Lerer, he's a New York Times bestselling author, so you're going to be in good company. At that point, now I've got no readers, I've got no listeners, but they're saying, well, Joan Lerer if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me too. So I just kind of use the social proof aspect of it all. Go to people who you know will say yes, and then use the fact that they're on your show to get access to someone new. Hey, Katie, how do you get guests on your show?
3: I also had Joan O'Leary on my show, because of the creativity aspect. Um, and I, I guess uh, a lot of the stuff that I've done has been newsworthy. When a book gets banned, I might interview... In fact, there was an author who was uninvited to a book festival because her young adult novel was incredibly edgy. And there were authors who were, um, who were going, still going, to that festival despite the fact that she had been banned in order to uh, educate the people who did go about this and there were authors who refused to go in solidarity solidarity with her and I interviewed all three of those people and that having a little bit of controversy on the show helped later you know I'm I'm a serious podcaster I'm doing serious business Um, there are times that people think that my show is for children because it's about children's books, but it's about the industry. So it's, it's an industry show. And um, I also have... How else have I? I, I? I've just been sort of fearless in just asking people... And just said, you know, people people are nice, you know, they're not gonna say, How dare you ask me to promote me or how 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 you know, like, you know, people like to talk about themselves and I and you can play into that, you know, the psychology, right? People like to I think people like to help other people too. And so there are so many people now that are out there in social media, you can also promote these shows like crazy. Uh, I also tell everybody that I do a show notes um, blog post in conjunction with the episode and I link them in that. And so there's, again, the Venn diagram example. And so the people on the podcast, if they're listening, I can say, go here. There's a link to blah, blah, blah or whatever. So.
2: Great. I mean, the biggest thing is just what's the worst that can happen? That, I ask that to myself all the time if I'm scared of emailing someone because they're a huge person in the industry, what's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. I mean, nothing worse than that. It could really happen. I mean, nothing, I mean, your imagination plays tricks on you. you know, it's, it's always the bad, like something's going to catch on fire and then your pants will fall down or something. And that,
3: and <laughs> don't you think a lot of people who are that we consider huge, that other people consider huge, they don't necessarily think, oh, I'm huge, so I'm not going to say yes to that. I mean, there are people with egos, but still, I mean, I think most people are like,
2: no, that's true. And, and, and a great tip that I learned is don't necessarily go, well, when you're trying to interview somebody, don't, listen, no, don't necessarily go for those top people because A, they might be super busy, and B, they've probably have been heard elsewhere. Go for the kind of lower level, like people who are almost at your level or maybe just above you. And what happens is you start to develop a relationship with them through the conversation that you have in your podcast. And that's very powerful. I've become great friends with people who I've had on my podcast who weren't really well-known, who are now well-known, uh, and are sharing, you know, now we're buddies and we're sharing each other's stuff and, uh, you know, that's how it works and, and, and those, those I don't want to rank on like B and C listeners but, I mean, you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Those people are going to be so excited to be on your show and they're going to give you the best content that they have because um, they care. They, they really want to impress you and impress your audience as, as well. Now, I want to move on to on your show, you know, besides having guests. As far as the purpose uh, and, and getting people to take action, what are some strategies you have for getting people from a podcast to take action on your site, whether it's subscribe to an email list or, or something? How do you do that? Because it's audio, no one's in front of a computer. It's, you can't say like, okay, click this. It doesn't work like that, right? So how do you, how do you get people from your podcast to, to take action and, and interact with you and, and do things like that, Adam? So, um. <clears throat>
1: First of all, to get people on the email list and things, you'll want to talk to Derek. I don't really worry as much about that as I probably should, as a uh, as a marketer or as a business person. I um, I focus much more on just trying to make the podcast entertaining and informative. But I do finish every podcast with um, like the next action and action steps because I am really big on taking action. So what I'll do is I'll just summarize whatever we talked about, and uh, and some things I call it a challenge, but it's just something so like I did a podcast recently called six keys to flexibility that living a flexible life I talked about the different areas I'm trying to improve to make my life more flexible so the challenge at the end was write down each of the categories of the six ways that I talked about and I want you to write down one way in which you could change your life to be more flexible and maybe like I don't know five percent of the people do it but the five percent of the people do it uh, and hopefully it's more than that but the five percent of the people who do take that action who literally get out their notebook and write it down are gonna be, uh, their lives are gonna be changed more quickly and they're gonna be much bigger fans of me when I'm done. So I do try to solve a specific problem and then bring it into action. But uh, the only technique I use for getting people to my blog is short URLs. So I think Pat loves Pretty Link. I use a Marketing Ninja type of plugin on my blog. So um, if you go to like com slash and then you make a short URL, it's much easier to say that on the podcast than anything. So like com slash movie, com slash uh, what, that was the one I have. So <laughs> pretty, that, that, that then is easier to say on the podcast, right? right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I use pretty link all the time because instead of a huge long URL, I can just call it something memorable and easy to, easy to consume. Oftentimes, I'll go beyond that and actually buy a domain for something. Like if, if I want people to go watch a, a, a webinar instead of a, a something that's 140 characters, I just buy keywordresearchwebinar.com and have it forward to that domain, and that's a lot easier to remember. Now, I would just save that for your best stuff, because obviously that costs a little bit of money, but um, using the short URLs, and even, even like, but URL, and I, I know Bitly is weird because it gives you random characters, so I wouldn't use Bitly, but uh, Pretty Link is a good one if you, if you have a WordPress. So,
4: Derek, how do you get people from your podcast to take action? I'm really interested to in hear you. So right now, there's no direct thing that I do to get people from the audio to my website. But what I do throughout my podcast, I open what's called an information gap. And this was coined by George Lowenstein, one of the leading researchers about how curiosity works. And just to give you a quick little synopsis, an information gap is when there's a gap between what people know and what people want to know, they're going to seek the close that gap. That's how curiosity works. So when I'm doing an interview with some researcher, I'll often mention something like, uh, have you ever heard of the, Gina, uh, the Sheena Iyengar jam study? And they'll say, yes, and then we'll talk about that study, but we won't necessarily talk about what exactly that is and the insight that people can learn from that particular study. So what ends up happening is I'll get people going to Google and typing Derek Halpern, Sheena Iyengar jam study, and I see this in my search results. Every time I open one of those information gaps, people are going to Google to Google my name next to whatever it is I said in that podcast. So that's the main way I do it. Interesting. Katie?
3: Uh, <clears throat> Mine a little less technical. I think I, I strive to help people that listen to my, my show, and I think that people become grateful, and they have... The following has slowly built, and one of the things also, and it relates to the, a previous question, is I interviewed somebody who was completely unknown in my world and i had always been focusing on people who were known and published and a a little snobby about self-published and um and so this woman was um wanting to be published and she was she sent out an email that was brilliant and i thought it was fantastic and i had her on the show and it turns out she has a huge following and that that kind of thing is helping her people, that just exponentially, again, brought people to me. So I think helping people, uh, educating people, t- telling, being very generous with your information, I think, and I think you and Cliff have done this brilliantly, and I, and I think that I was very influenced by both of you in that regard. Um, I also... I also, now I started this and I learned this from another podcaster too. Listen to a lot of podcasts. That also will really help you. Um, And and feel free to, you know, um, be influenced by them and borrow uh, great ideas because that's what we do, you know. And this one uh, for the public speaker, she was on the panel yesterday with me, she had this great thing where she thanks her listeners by name she thanks her new facebook followers or her people who retweeted her and i thought that was such a brilliant idea people who gave her good reviews on itunes i thought that was great i'm like i'm totally doing that and i credit her on the show i'm like thank you lisa b marshall the public speaker for do, you know teaching me to do this i'm how could i not have thought of that so things like that just reciprocity I think is huge for this kind of thing getting people to listen
2: I think that's a really cool tactic to actually call out names I know that's a great strategy for webinars because people are on there and you actually say hey Jim, Jim asks this question and you know that really engages with people now with a podcast you might shout out somebody and they might not know who that is but they know that you're connecting with your audience if you do that so I think that's really important now for me how do I get people from my podcast to do stuff I ask that's it Mm-hmm. And I see, I hear a lot of podcasts have great episodes, and then at the end, I'm like, it's it's over, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> I listen to the next one, and then or I do whatever. Uh, I just ask and you know if people are engaged with you, they're listening to you and they get to the end of your show or a part of the middle of the show when you're asking, I mean they've been listening to you for X number of minutes. That's a lot of time out of their day listening to you. So you have, because of that you have the okay I guess or, or their permission to go tell them to do something. Whether it's go sign up for my email list here, you'll get this. I'll always make sure you, you tell them why to do something. Uh, Please leave a review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. Um, it helps the show rank higher and, and, and it just makes the show better and, and gives me encouragement to, to do even more for you. Um, and yeah, just ask. Give them a call to action. A lot of people miss the call to action point on their shows.
3: Can I add something to that? Sure, of course. Um, and I think doing that, and I, I feel shy sometimes asking people to do things that so I, I feel like I. I might end up being cheesy for doing that but I think that's a really good point point. and also people want to do you know I, I give favors much more easily than I can ask for a favor and I think that if you're helping people on your show and you're giving information or entertaining them or whatever I think that people want to give back to you and so that's a good idea that you
1: have. <laughs> You've just talked into their brain for like 30 or 60 minutes like that's the most captive audience almost you could possibly have with the exception of a webinar maybe. right but like so you have them they've just listened to you they've committed 60 minutes of their time all you do is ask them to do something small and and, and in droves if they've finished it they're usually going to do that I mean that's not a that's not a big request yeah. right? Like, and you
3: were talking in the beginning about really connecting with people through your voice. And again, yesterday on the panel, somebody gave a stat about how, that people respond and connect with a, a listened voice much more readily and deeply than a blog, a written blog. And so that you and there have been studies. and You talking about the to the, the, the Marilyn Monroe lady who yeah, did, did you, for, voice. Will you tell them what she did? And he, I talked about you yesterday because. He was like, I just had a reaction. (laughs) Tell that.
4: That was good. uh, Sally Hogshead wrote a book called Fascinate, where it's all about how to get people fascinated, which in terms really just get people to pay attention to you. And she used the Marilyn Monroe example where when Marilyn Monroe was talking or giving an interview, she'd actually lower her voice. I can't do it, but (laughs) she'd actually lower her voice to a point where her voice would sound wet. And that was supposed to stimulate arousal in whoever was interviewing her. And when they actually tested this, they found that that wet voice actually did get people aroused. And they figured out that's why people used to hang on every one of her words. And just think back to that famous, you know, when she sang, Happy Birthday, Mr. President. That's kind of an example of the wet voice. I'm not going to... (laughs) she voice now did she
3: she on the podcast she lowered her i'm sorry pets don't oh, go no oh, this is interesting <laughs> We're having
2: this is like a podcast episode with guests. you know you have an interesting <laughs> conversation and you don't know where it's going to go right. well, she but
3: she she lowered her voice and i I was like beating or something and i went i mean i rem- i yeah. had a reaction and and he's he it was really funny because you go oh,
2: I just had a reaction. Yeah, I mean, I showed you in the cards in the beginning, you can get so much more emotion out of your voice than you can with text. People can, most of us, when we read blog posts, we skim, or or, or we breeze through it. When people are listening to your audio, they're not going to get the content unless they just listen to you in real time. Although some people speed it up half time just to save time,
4: which is an interesting Mm -hmm. tip. Um, I think that's the cheesiest thing in the world. Anyone who listens to audio at 1.5 to save five minutes, I'm. Mean, watching movies on double speed, that's not really. Watching. So you got s to do, put the movie away and go do the shit.
2: Uh, to each their own. Now, I, w- I really want to get into the benefits. What's in it for us as podcasters? What happens when you do a podcast? What are some things that have happened to you? In the panel here that we can share with the audience to, to get us really excited. I mean, I know I have a ton of stuff that's happened because of the podcast, but I'll save that for after. So, I mean, we can just go down the line again. Adam,
1: what, what has happened
2: as a, ro- as a result, big or small, because of you starting a podcast?
1: Yeah, I would say it was it just been depth of connection <clears throat> with readers. Number one, um, I don't know if I remember any particular stories, but I get really in-depth emails because of the industry that I'm in. Like I talk about personal finance and debt and uh, being trapped in jobs you hate. Um, So I get, you would imagine some of the 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 word emails I can get. And now I've noticed a lot more of those are stimulated by two things. My TEDx talk, which is a video with audio, obviously. It's the audio I think that really gets people. And my podcast. Mean that I get much more response from those in terms of the depth of people struggling than I do from, I read your you know 24 tips to improve my finances post and here's 3,000 words. No, it's more when I talk on the podcast, they'll say like I listened to this last night with my wife and we had this two hour discussion and here's the email of the discussion. And um, that's... <laughs> 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 that so, is that a lie detector? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so that, that would be mine and, and I guess I'd say I probably have two dozen examples of that uh, but without naming names and bringing specific issues up it's just the, the depth of people when we do this so that's why I said magnifying glass to microscope uh, if, if you can run a business where you can get in and affect people deeply mm-hmm. podcasting is the way I haven't yet figured out how to you know, syndicate my podcast to 5 billion people but I figured out how to deeply change lives with the podcast in only six episodes or seven episodes. So That's all you have, is six or seven
3: episodes? Really? The TEDx was great. You should listen to that. that was, I listened to that. It was great. I look at it as a
4: numbers game. If I'm getting 1,000 hits a day or 2,000 hits a day on my site, by adding a podcast, now I'm getting 500 downloads a day or 1,000 downloads a day. And the more people <laughs> I'm interacting with, the more stuff I can sell them. So it's really just numbers at that point. Uh,
3: what, what's happened to us? Is that yeah, what has what
4: ha, what oh, yeah. happened to you as a result of doing your podcast? Oh,
3: God, where do I begin? Um, I have become... I, I'm in a really small niche. Uh, you know, really small niche. And I have become very well known in that industry for this podcast. And I can pretty much... Um, Get I, I love getting free books. I get a lot of free books because I do the reviews and I talk to the authors. But other than that, as like that kind of thing, um, for my business in general, I've gotten people asking to be my sponsor, so I'm now monetizing that way. And I also have I really wanted to be able to announce this fully today, but. Um, I can't because the ink isn't dry, but the I'm in negotiations right now to have the podcast housed on a very huge site in the industry, and that will be amazing because they get way more you know views than I do, and I will become very. and it's money too. So it's paid and shared revenues on the
1: ads So that's good. I'm, I'm interrupting you Pat. I forgot to say this I wanted to double what Pat said with his first point is that the podcast has made me so much more confident when I talk to Someone on the phone when I talk to someone in the podcast or when I give a speech at a conference like this or even a panel I'm just so much more confident in front of the mic and getting across the point so the number one reason that Pat thought of, and I didn't, would be to improve yourself as a communicator. It's a lifelong skill, and it's one of the best business skills that I can imagine. So just backing up Pat on that. Now I just want to finish up with what the podcast
2: has done for me. I mean, it's done so much. I mean, I, I get the same emails that Adam, that Adam gets, like really in-depth. Like, I, I had one that was 20,000 words, like a novel that this person sent me about his story and his life and, and how the podcast has changed it and, and it's helped him and encouraged him. Traffic. I talked about this last year at the Bobwood Expo uh, in L.A. I actually did a survey on my blog, just my blog. I did a survey and I said, how did you find out about me and my brand? The number one answer was the podcast. 20% of people who now read my blog found me because I did the podcast. Huge. It wasn't Google, it wasn't Facebook or Twitter or anything. It was the podcast. So that's why I'm a big believer and proponent putting yourself out there and doing the podcast. And that's really what it's all about, just putting yourself out there. You're planting seeds. That's, that's what I like to call it. You're giving yourself opportunities by putting yourself out there, and great things will happen if you do that. And a podcast, like we, we were talking about, comes with a voice, and there's no better way to connect with people on an emotional and powerful level. Now, one of the great things that happened to me was, uh, you know, you get pretty good exposure in iTunes, and, 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 and it's a very you know, compared to the number of blogs out there, there's what, 87 million blogs or something like that? There's
4: 170, more than 170
2: million. 170 million blogs and what, like 200,000 podcasts. Competition
4: is not as fierce. Can I echo that? I actually started my podcast because of that data where he said that 20% of his new readers found him through the podcast first. I
1: did
4: And the month that I launched my podcast in January of 2012, my traffic shot up 69% for the month traffic in January over December and December was my previous best month of traffic. So I shot up almost 100% basically just by launching a podcast. And I imagine that's because when you get feed, when you launch a new podcast if you're doing a good job, you get put in that new and noteworthy section and you're getting all this brand exposure to everybody who goes on into the podcast app in iTunes. So I want to just echo that I had that same experience.
2: Thank you, Derek. And, and another thing that happened was, just because I was on there, some random Hollywood producer f- found my show, he contacted me, wanted me to work with him on social media for this movie that was coming out. So I said, what the heck, let's do it. So I, I'm actually the director of web and social media for a movie that just came out last Friday. Cool a movie? In, independent Woo-hoo! movie called Crooked Arrows. It's a lacrosse movie. But I mean, that's not the point. The point is <laughs> opportunities happen when, when you plant seeds <laughs> like that. And, and the biggest thing for me, it's changed my life, too. It's it's made me more confident in myself and my voice. It's made me understand that it's the relationships that you have with your audience that really matter. And, you know, I monetize. I, I mean, I do that. And because of the podcast, I've been able to better connect with people, which there in turn has made me more money, too. Again, that's... The whole point of this is not is not about monetization, as some people who might walk in uninvitedly uh, would say, but <laughs> she
3: not to come here.
2: <laughs> but I I want, it, it's it's uh, you know there's there's fifteen minutes left and I definitely want to give people time to ask some questions. And I, I know all of us here could talk about podcasting for hours. so it's really hard for me not to continue with our questions, but I love to hear and address the questions that you have. So thank you all so much. I mean on, on behalf of everyone here, uh, you know just to see so many, so many people excited about a podcast it really is, is encouraging and it is just amazing and, and I'm really excited for all of you. So thank you repeat the question so you don't have to go up there to the mic because um, there's kind of standing room only. So we'll, we'll have the first question here.
3: Do you
0: folks have a preference for the length of time you have your podcast, whether it's 15 minute segment,
1: half hour segment, hour segment, as far as delivering a okay. message or just sort of what works best for you?
2: Okay, So the question was about length of time of your episode: episodes. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. What works best for you? How do you know? Or do you just kind of go with it?
1: So uh, I think that I'll speak for the panel. We'll try to answer more quickly and then we have contact information and I think most of us will be around afterwards. So for for me, it depends. I love the PTI podcast. It's like 22 minutes gives me my daily dose of sports. It's awesome. Uh, Other times I love hearing somebody walk down the street and ramble for an hour. So it really depends on what the issue you're talking about. I think my sweet spot is gonna be about 30 to 45 minutes which is pretty typical.
2: That's mine as well. Although there are some specific podcasts that are five minutes and they just deliver quick and dirty tips. So it's really up to you and your audience and, and how you feel you can better deliver and, and offer value to your audience.
3: And what your audience wants. Because I've tried to do short ones and my audience rebelled. They wanted, yeah, so they're an, I do an hour now. And now you know,
2: because you tried it. Yeah. Uh, There was a question up here in front. Yeah, you guys explained
0: uh, how to get a guest onto your um, onto your podcast. I'd be curious as a potential guest myself. Like, how would I approach you guys? My I'm not my New York Times
2: bestseller isn't coming out the next year. (laughs)
3: Uh,
2: So, so So what would be the best way for anybody to go approach someone who has a podcast (laughs) to be to be a guest?
4: all right, let's go. Let's go here. I take bribes.
3: So if you want to
4: bribe me, I'll just grab that address at the bottom of my emails.
3: I, you know, I um, email. Just email someone and say, look, this is what it... And read their blog first. Listen to the podcast first. You say, of course, but you know how many things I say? Oh, yeah. Say um, Doesn't even say, hi, Katie, or dear Miss Davis, or whatever the heck they say. Hi, there's, there's no... There's no salutation there's no respect at all and it's like you know what I, I don't have time for that if somebody says Katie I love your podcast I'm a big fan I love the one where you did this this and this or whatever um, you really helped me and I, and I wonder if blah blah and it, I don't always say yes if it's apropos to my content and, and if somebody says look I'm gonna I have this many followers on Facebook and I will put it up there and I'll do everything to support it then yeah if it's right for the show I'll do it
1: yeah. and another good example would be to come to a conference where you know they're gonna be, and come mm-hmm. to a panel that they're on, and ask good question. And, and compliment them. And, and, and tweet how great a panel it was. No, but what I'm serious is like, go support, my, my one tip is go support pet projects. Go see them speak, uh, when you email them, tell them how they've changed your lives, how, they, how you've used their content, why you like them, you're, you're in. Like if you say, Dear Mr. Baker, um, I'm emailing you today to whatever, then it's just much different. So I this get, is how you do it.
2: I get 200 emails a day, the ones with the best subject line, most interesting, something that I can relate to, uh, that's, that's not cookie cutter, is what I open, or, and I pay attention to those who take two minutes out of their day to shoot a video for me. Some people do that. A private video they post on YouTube. Hey, I created you this video, Pat. I can't not watch that video. What if you <laughs> said something bad about
3: me? <laughs> right. So... No one says bad things about Pat Flynn.
2: <laughs> I just don't hear it right now. Uh, Michael, hold on back.
0: This, this is probably... A- Maybe unique to what we're doing, but we have a, just a slightly older audience for our show. Has there ever have you heard any kind of backlash against the word podcast versus show or what's a podcast?
1: I don't even know what that means? There's a whole stigma there? No.
2: So the question was <laughs> uh, you have an older audience and they might not understand you know what's a podcast or how to use
4: it and, and things like that. I haven't heard backlash, but I purposely didn't name my podcast a podcast or use the word radio because podcast and radio denotes free and I feel like it cheapens the material. So I actually call my podcast a master class. Yeah, I noticed noticed
3: that, that was cool, I like that.
4: I did that for positioning purposes, but I haven't seen, I mean I've called it podcast before, but I haven't had backlash, but if you want to position it a little bit differently so people don't treat your material as if just something free that they can get all the time, you can kind of change the name to denote a higher value. Yeah, and then
2: technically, I mean, you can tell people at the beginning of an episode or in your show notes, if you don't know what a podcast is, especially if you want them to subscribe, just show them how to do that. Maybe even in a video or, or just a PDF file, to show people, I mean, a lot of people do that with RSS feeds. Not everyone knows what an RSS feed, but a lot of great blogs out there say, don't know what RSS is? Click here, and then they figure it out from there. So we have another question next to my uh, SEO, what
1: about SEO like transcripts? I know you've done transcripts in the past.
2: Yeah, so the question was about SEO and and using transcripts. I know a lot of podcasts out there don't have transcripts, but I I try really hard, personally, because I feel that there are a lot of people out there who would not listen to my podcast who would rather read the transcript. And there's a lot of people who who are hearing impaired, too, that I feel deserve to listen, uh, to to deserve to take in that content as well. So SEO-wise, you could put a transcript on another page um, and then have some SEO stuff going on, connections and and things. Authority there that way, but I mean, who knows what Google's doing now? So I I don't know. I really can't tell you uh, how beneficial that would actually be. Okay. So Frank. If you do video interviews,
1: can you turn the audio into podcast? One question, and the other one is: iTunes the only platform for publishing
2: podcasts? So two part question. First, can you take a video interview and take the audio and put it into your podcast? Yes, absolutely. Although I would make sure to, uh, as far as audio quality, and we're starting to get technical here, to make sure that when you transfer it over or that the way you record your video is also in a way that would be great for a podcast. There's there's nothing worse than a a podcast with terrible audio. Even if it has the most amazing content in the world, people are not going to sit there and listen to it. And
3: that's why Blog Talk Radio, sorry, Blog Talk Radio, if you're here, but that's why uh, I went off of it.
2: Um, I think Mixergy takes their video interviews and just puts them on audio for- yeah and it works for them, Mixergy with Andrew Warner does great interviews, video interviews and then he posts those and syndicates those on, onto his podcast as well Pat's uh, uh, also shared uh, sorry Pat,
1: okay. you've, you've also shared your um, speeches which I, I stole from you <laughs> and shared one of the talks I gave on the podcast so I did a little mm-hmm. intro shared the 25 minute talk did an outro is one of my most popular podcast episodes from a live speech and your
2: second question was iTunes. oh iTunes iTunes is not the only platform but that's probably the most populated and that's where you want to be there's other ones like Stitcher uh, you can be on more than one yeah you can be on more than one too um, one also um, I mean uh, we'd have to Create a resource for for everybody here, maybe. Uh, so hopefully we can get contact. With you. Or you know, Cliff has amazing material on his site as well. Right, last question.
3: Okay, I have a blog that's written by team When I first started the blog, I had the teams are writing blog posts. I had them do a podcast and. They said to me, you know, teens aren't going to listen to this. Um, I ended up posting it really on my b 2 d site, not on my uh, consumer blog. I'm feeling that, you know, YouTube is totally the way with teens. It it's it seen that way. But what do you feel, do you think podcasts are really not resounding with the younger market? The more... question was about how
2: effective are podcast for the younger market, maybe the teens.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, I know I actually have a number of teenagers who listen to my show. Uh, so, I mean, mm-hmm. that, 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 I know they're listening to it. Now, you might have to make it sound cooler than a podcast. <laughs> um, I know, like, you know, Adam Crow has one of the top podcasts, and, and you know, and he has an, a, an awesome audience. And I think if you really connect with your audience and you tell them that you have this content that they can listen to, and maybe not call it a podcast, but something more interesting. Like The
3: Justin Bieber Show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, people will listen, especially if they really dig your content on the blog. Um, and make it, I think for for younger people especially, just making everything as simple as possible because they don't want to waste any time doing anything. So just making sure that that it's clear and upfront about how to get that content and what's what's in it as well. So I think that's the last question. Thank you all so much for coming. In.
0: Well, my friends, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. A special thanks goes out to Pat Flynn, Derek Halpern, Adam Baker, and Katie Davis for doing such a wonderful job on this panel at Blog World and New Media Expo 2012 in New York City. Folks, I am going to have links to all of their sites over at podcastanswerman.com forward slash 267. You know, real quickly that last question there about the you know the younger kids, the teenagers listening to the podcast. When my daughter was eight years old, she launched a Hannah Montana fan podcast. This was several years ago. Had eighty thousand subscribers. Also, we do quite a bit of um, a young adult literature uh, that. Uh, for fan podcasts, we do the Twilight Saga fan podcast. You can find that at twilightsagapodcast.com. Also, the Hunger Games series, hungergamespodcast.com. The, both of those shows has thousands of young podcast subscribers. So, yes, those young people are out there subscribing to podcasts. Well, my friends, I hope that uh, those of you here in the States had a wonderful Happy 4th of July celebration. And for the rest of you around the world, I hope that your summer is going well. Also, I guess maybe some of you are in the wintertime. Anyway, fun stuff here. I will be back again next week with more Podcast Answer Man. If you want to give me a call, you can do so at 859-795-4067. Again, 859-795-4067. Seven And I do want to say thank you to Johntrepreneur.com. It's kind of like entrepreneur, but instead of the E, put a J-O-N in front of it. Anyway, the person behind Johntrepreneur.com used my Bluehost affiliate link. And as you guys know, if you use my Bluehost affiliate link, I receive a very generous commission from them. So thank you for doing that. And also, um, next week, I'll be sure to give an update on those of you who have been out there putting iTunes reviews out there for the Podcast Answer Man. As you know, that helps me stay on top of the lists and the iTunes ratings and reviews and rankings up at the top of the list. I absolutely thank each and every one of you for writing a review in iTunes. If you want to do that, go over to PodcastAnswerMan.com. And uh, just look in the show notes for podcastanswerman.com slash 267. There's a thing on there. It says, click here to rate and review Podcast Answer Man. That'd be awesome. Guys, God bless you all. Again, I'll be back next week. Until then, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level.